What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, we are doing Build a Band. So basically, we are going to try to build the greatest hardcore band of all time. Um, joined by Dan Sant, Joe Rivas, and the mighty Ben Edge of Fields of Fire. And uh, we're going to go through this process. Uh, if you would like to support the pod, or I should say, please support the pod uh, by giving it a like, rate it, review it, wherever you listen to it. That stuff really matters, so please do it. Also, subscribe to it so you get it every Wednesday when it comes out um, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to go the extra mile, please go to patreon.com slash 185 miles south and become a monthly Patreon. These are my true heroes. They support the pod by uh, uh, putting down a little bit of money every month. And uh, there's bonus content behind that uh, paywall. So uh, they get extra pods and so forth. And uh, that's that. So please check that out if you're interested. And let's get on with the pod. Hundred eighty five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast. What's up, everyone? Uh, this week on one hundred eighty five miles south, we're going to do a new little game uh, invented by pretty much anyone, probably because it's a child's game, but uh. Daniel Sant came up with this. Um, so, <laughs> but we're going to build a band. So basically we're going to choose a singer, two guitarists, a bass player, and a drummer. And it's going to be all, all stars. We're going to see who has the best band. Um, Daniel, is that a fair representation of what we're doing? Yeah. Basically I'm just a big kid. <laughs> yeah. So Daniel wanted to do this really bad. I'm not hundred percent sold on it, but I gotta, I gotta give it up to him. Cause wow. Um, what? I'm not. This, it's just a little larpy for me, but uh, that's okay. that's okay. That's okay. Daniel's been such an important part of this pod that he gets to choose a topic. So there it is. I'm I'm playing along, dude. I'm playing along. I just thought it would be something different, change of pace. Hey, and that's why we're doing it. So respect. Um. So as you guys can tell on this pod, we got Dan Sant of Over My Over My Dead Body Fame. How you doing, Daniel? I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing great. We also got episode one, the legend, Joe Rivas. Hey, 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 There he is. <laughs> Fucking that, legend, legendary. Um, and then also joining us in the fourth slot. You know him. You love him. He was the singer of Fields of Fire. And uh, Ben, you're still you're still doing uh, Secret Vacation? Surprise Vacation. No one can God get the name right. It. It's okay. You're you're forgiven. No <laughs> one can remember the name of my band. I, yeah, I sing and play guitar okay. in a punk band called Surprise Vacation. Yeah. Well, ben, ben is also the number one preemptive. Uh, <laughs> what what's what's that word that we were saying? The pre- ultra pre- cragnetic or something? Uh, ultra magnetic. No. Yeah. Ultra. <laughs> yeah. So ben, ben, ben and I were just joking about it the other day. On <laughs> Ben is the yeah. number one. 185 miles instantaneous fact checker. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's oh, gonna change, we're going to change this. We're going to change it up immediately. 
He's like the dude. We're gonna that, change uh, his name to. Go What's ahead. my name? Jesus Christ! Everyone just go. Everyone shut off the pod by now. They're like, this is fucking terrible to listen to. Four people talking at once. Um, no, he's like the guy that they shoot it to on the sports shows at the end, right? Like, let me know what we got wrong. And like the guy's a genius and like rails it all off. Like, oh, actually, on the uh, 78 Twins, so and so played third base. You're like, okay, how the fuck did you know that? You know? So, but yeah, that's Bedge. And then also, I mean, it, it goes to show because, you know, I'm just a fucking moron that talks weekly on a podcast, but Bedge is actually an author. Um, why, do, why don't you uh, shout out the book you did and, and let us know about it, Ben? Yeah, I wrote a book um, that came out in November called Going Off the Story of the Juice Crew and Cold Chillin' Records, which you can buy on Amazon. It's uh, BMG Books put it out. It, so it's basically about this record label, this hip-hop record label that existed from the mid-80s to the mid-90s called Cold Chillin'. And they had Big Eddie Kane, Roxanne Shante, Biz Marquee, MC Shan. Uh, the Jizza, back when he was the genius, was on Cold Chillin'. Uh, Master Ace. Uh, quite a few, uh, you know, pretty important people in hip hop, and and I, um, it's partially partially an oral history and and partially you know narrative or whatever the term for me writing things in my own words is, and um, and uh, so yeah, there was a lot of fact checking that went into that too. Kind of a pain in the ass, but I got it done. So. <laughs> Hey Ben, did you ever get yelled at? Did you ever get yelled at by Casey Jones for heckling Ignite? No. Okay. No, he was cool. Casey was always cool. There was this part when I think I asked like Zoli, I was like, "You're all about animal rights. Why are you wearing leather shoes?" I'm just curious. And like <laughs> Casey was all like, Casey just was like, "I don't give a fuck." He's like, "I, I." He's like, "I personally don't give a shit." And he goes, "I don't care about that kind of stuff." I'm like, "Cool." <laughs> okay. It's like in between songs at a show in East LA, like No Pay No in 1996, I think. Yeah. All right. I was like, cool. He's a nice guy. I like Casey. I, I barely know him, but the times I've talked to him, he's like totally cool. Cool. Okay. So, Daniel, did you do a draw on this? No. Um, we Damn didn't. it. Oh. I didn't know it. we were doing it fantasy style. Oh, I th- I don't know. Um, but we got to do a draw, like of who goes first, right? Because we might choose each other's people. Yeah. Well, let's just say. Here, I can do it real quick. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. All right, let's do it, and then let's not do it fantasy style. Let's just go one, two, three, four, one, two, three, yeah. four, one, two, three, four. We'll keep the fantasy stuff for the super seven stuff. Um, yeah. Okay, Ben is first. All right. I am second. Okay. You are third, and Joe is fourth. Oh, we're almost alphabetical. But, uh, all right, I'll take that three spot. Sorry, Joe. It's all right. Okay, let's start off with Bedge. Who are you taking? Which um, position are we doing yeah, which first? Which position? Are we, yeah. Well, it, well, you, you whatever you want, because you if, if you really want a singer, you should choose it first. And if you really need a guitarist, choose it first, because you're basically playing defense against other people, too, you know? So... If you think someone's going to get uh, Greg Ginn, then you better choose Greg Ginn in your first fucking round. You know, if you want Ian, take him right away. You know, don't put ideas in my head, man. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, um, um, Ian, good idea. Okay, vocals, Ian McKay circa 1981. And I know that 
at least one of you guys had that too. Am I right? For your first choice? Well, I was going to go circa 97, but oh well. <laughs> oh, you love you guys. <laughs> Daniel, did he steal that from you? Surprisingly not. Yeah, not me either. Well, Daniel did ask on the group text if he could choose uh, Ian Curtis, right? No, I said that. Okay. All right. So, yeah. What's your reasoning behind choosing Ian, bitch? Ian, circa 81. So, Minor Threats, my favorite band ever. And I know it's Dan's favorite band ever, too. And um, just that first year, think about just that, that first year, 1981 begins with them recording their demo then their first seven inch then their second seven inch and somewhere in there they recorded the two tracks for flex your head which came out early the year after that and they managed to break up in like i don't know september of that year so basically the first nine months of that year they did like you know three or four incredible things and nothing they're just unparalleled it's just the best it just doesn't get any better than that Okay, do you, uh, you do, know. do you still want him if you know you have to practice in that little closet from another state of mind? Oh, the basement of the Discord house? Hell yeah. <laughs> okay. I didn't, I'm I about didn't, it. I didn't, I didn't know if you want to spread out I a mean, little bit, that's all. But 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 I'm not in the band, so does it really matter? Oh, that's true. You're the manager though, so <laughs> like you're the sixth man in the room. <laughs> right. So it's getting hot in there. But uh no. <laughs> Epic choice, and so, it should be the first choice, right? What, Daniel? So, what about voice? Like, talk about his voice. Like, what what makes it want to be the voice of your band? Oh well, he's he he's completely pissed off. He's so beside himself, and it's so Still- obvious, and it's not fake. And he's got this like mission, even though he likes to say, you know, like Straight Edge wasn't really. He tries to downplay that now, but it's like. That guy was on a mission to spread the word of straight edge and other things too. I mean, and then, and there's also kind of a melodic quality to his voice. You know, it's like semi-melodic. Yeah. It's very tuneful without losing any of the aggression. Right. There you go. I think we're going to, we're going to see how it shapes out because we got to see who he's choosing for his, uh, his musical instruments. We'll see if Ian ends up, uh, adding to it or holding him back a little bit. We'll see. But, uh, good point. Okay. Let's go on to Daniel. Who's your first pick? And and uh, what, what instrument are you going to choose? Or, or the vocalist? I'm going to take this person off the market. Walter Schreifels on guitar. Yep. I, I knew he was going to go uh-huh. sometime. Yeah. I mean, I can just sum it up in, in one part. You've got straight ahead youth crew, you know, music being recorded by GB on the seven inch, very aggressive, like amazing, still some tunefulness. But when you get to start today and the disco part on competition, holy, like no one was doing anything like that. And then you go on to quicksand, take a wholly different, totally different, like slant on music, uh, with hard hitting longer, like punchy riffs. Um, and, just watching him on stage, even now, like when GB play, he's just having the best time. <laughs> so that part of it is great too, that you're going to get like a, I mean, he's a little bit weird, but you're going to get a really fun, l- lust for life kind of person in the band. 
that is going to write you nothing but hits. No clangers, just hits. <laughs> Daniel Sant with the uh, Moondog snub. No, no snub. Yeah. I mean, I could talk about rival schools. I could talk about walking concert. could talk about it all because, I mean, one of my favorite things he ever did was the song about rabies. That's just an acoustic song like that is just beautiful, you know? Yeah, so but what I'm really focusing on is his guitar work in Gorilla Biscuits. I think it is phenomenal. It's a great And pick. he wrote all the songs and all the lyrics. So you get a lyricist as well. Yeah, it's a great pick because it's definitely, uh, you're not getting, uh, like, you're not pigeonholing anything. You're not limited. You can go anywhere with him, you know? Yeah. Because he could also, and be, he, he could proves also be, that. It, go ahead. Well, he, it's, he's proven that you can put octaves in every single song and it doesn't, doesn't get old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it wasn't until Atari that we realized it could. <laughs> but I love Atari. I would say that's the same. <laughs> yeah, I'm just fucking around. Um, I'd say all the bands that wanted to sound like Bane kind of burned octaves into the ground a bit. <laughs> that's true. Well, it all depends on how, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I guess it goes to me. I'm going to have to choose yep. the greatest American songwriter of all time. And uh, that's Matt Henderson. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I knew, I knew you were taking him. Yeah. I mean, look, he wrote the first four Madball records. Um, don't know how much he wrote on one voice, but it's like basically the pre Madball record. Madball is basically is one voice and killing time bright side. Um, you know, mixed with that old school flavor of agnostic front. Um, for someone to, to do a genre that can be as monotone as like, you know, modern hardcore the dude is just a wealth of ideas he's got the bounce he's got the speed um in af and blind justice he had the solos so uh yeah i just i want a great songwriter that's who i'm taking matt henderson um and let's go on to joe i'm uh i'm choosing uh my drummer first because your drummers are probably the most important person in the band, but we don't tell them that. Uh, and I'm choosing Bill Stevenson, 87 Bill Stevenson. All right. Excellent, excellent choice. So post black flag, uh, descendants all Bill. Now, does and, he, does and he, you get, go ahead. Go ahead, Daniel. And you get a record producer as well. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if you yeah. want 87. Does he have an inflated ego by now? Like, should we go with 83 instead? <laughs> when he's still hungry? I don't know. I think he's still hungry. Okay. Well, probably a bad drummer than 87. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just fucking around. But yeah. The ogre's always hungry. No, I, I think that's a, yeah, it's a great pick. Um, yeah, and drummers is going to be that, interesting. I had... Um, there was an SST sampler cassette from 1988 that I got in 1988. And I had no idea who any of the bands on it were and descendants clean sheets off of liveage was on that. And yeah. I actually wore out the tape right where liveage was right, right where clean. Sheets was. Yeah, yeah. I listened to that shit. I was 10 years old. I listened to that so much. The tape wore out. That had to give you a warp perspective on relationships. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, okay, great pick, Joe. And I, I said that Bill Stevenson gives you a record producer, but let's not forget that Matt Henderson produced Ill Blood, one of the best two thousand core records of all time. Hey, I love anyone saying something good about my picks. So thank you, Daniel. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, let's get let's take it back to Bedge for the second pick. All right, second pick. Let's see here. So uh, I'm going to go guitar, and my pick is Dave the Snake Sabo. Oh, shout out Benji. Love it. <laughs> what, now, what is Dave the Snake Sabo's tie-in to punk and hardcore? Ben. Come on, man. He's the preeminent guitarist of the best uh, Southern California hardcore <laughs> punk band ever, Skid Row. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, he did get, he did get thanked on a Warzone record, on the Bullet Holes record. Oh yeah, I learned that today. So that um, that actually, is a time. I was that was no, nope, that was a, that's your that was your pick. You're locked no, in. it's not my pick. It's a joke. Locked no, in. it wasn't. No, that, You're that wasn't. My, no, it really wasn't. That was a joke. Okay. Please wax poetic more about him. I don't even listen to it. I, His I hair flowing. Yeah, they do. Youth gone wild. That's about as much as I remember about um, Ryan Baker, eighty-six. Okay. Well, just back to back to the snake. I do love the idea of Ian having to be in a band with him. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> what but would that be? You know what I, re- you know what I realize now, which I didn't even think about, is my actual pick, which is Brian Baker, eighty-six. Brian Baker ended up in Junkyard two years later. You know, he's a butt rocker too. You know, at the same time as Skid Row, exactly the same time. Yeah, he's probably Jelly of the Snake. Um, yeah. Probably was, yeah. You know, and, um, and, Baker, and down, Baker didn't get a shout out from Rabies, so you know, that's fucked up. That's true. Oh my god, uh, but Dag Nasty, man. How can I say? Fucking perfect record, amazing. Especially the guitar work. He's got that MXR course pedal on the entire time. The MXR stereo course pedal is the first guitar pedal I ever bought, so I could sound like him on that record. Not that I really used it that much, but. Um, it's just like, now I can sound like this guy. Um, you know, octave, solos. He's, he, he's really a, um, a uh, pro, uh, prodigy. You know, he played on stage with Santana when he was 12 years old. Jesus Christ. Do you know that, that story? No, I don't. Please tell it. He was invited. Uh, Brian Baker was invited on stage uh, with Santana in Detroit. He was living in Detroit for like a year. Uh, and um, in when he was 12 years old, and he fucking jammed with Santana on stage on guitar. He's a guitarist first. I think he was in, he was the bass player of Minor Thread at first because they just needed a bass player, but he's really a guitarist. Um, and he's just, you know, he's I, also, I've heard, of, I've heard this about him. He's a human jukebox. Like you could just name any song and he just yep. knows how to play it. And I'm talking about like, you know, hair metal shit or anything. ACDC, whatever. Can he play Sweet Little Sister off the first Skid Row record? He probably could. Yeah. Well, you know, that is uh, 87. That is the year of Santana's seminal record, Freedom. 
Oh, I don't even listen to Santana. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I, I, I love the first handful of records. You know, if you're having a bonfire, Santana is the perfect soundtrack. <laughs> what? You know? If you're if you're having a bonfire, Santana records are the perfect thing to go on it. <laughs> oh, you're fucking crazy. Nah, it's like it's like really it's like it's awesome atmospheric music that's like unoffensive. You know, you can like groove into it or you can like let it fade to the background. You know, yep. so and you would appreciate me playing Santana instead of punishing you with Sublime, Daniel. So, <laughs> so take back that uh, Chuck your Santana records in the fire shit. <laughs> um. So, so Badge, what do you think about? Because this is where the things start getting interesting in this uh, Larper ass game. Um, do you think that? <laughs> do you think that Ian singing on? What do you think about Ian singing on? Like, can I say instead of Dave Smalley? What's your take on that? And I, my take is I think Dave Smalley was approximating an Ian McKay voice when he sang on Can I Say. So I think it would be pretty, it would fit pretty well if you had Ian doing Ian on that, on that album. It'd be better with Ian. Yeah. And I think I don't know about that, probably but... Ian's probably the only person in the world you could say that about, because I love the way Dave Smalley sounds on that album. I mean, I wouldn't change anything. I know people like saying Dave Smalley's an idiot because he's like a Republican now. Like, we're not talking about that. Right? You know what I mean? Like yeah. about 30 something years ago. Let's go to uh to Dang Nasty super fan, uh, Joe Rivas. What, what's your take on Ian singing on Can I Say? Uh, I, I don't think he would do better than Dave uh, personally, um, but it would sound pretty cool. I mean, and we have, there's three versions out there with, Sean singing those songs, almost all of the songs, all about two. Uh, uh, Dave singing them, and then Peter singing the same music that Sean is play singing to. Does that make sense? Oh, I didn't know that. How yeah. do I listen to that? Where do uh, I I'll, that? I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up. Oh, Gio. They call it the what if sections, and, it, and it's, it's, it's 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 the it's the the music from the original demo with Peter singing on it. Now, some of it's really not very good, but some of it is freaking amazing. If oh, Ian yeah. sang on that record, Travis Barker would have two Dag Nasty tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> what's his other one? He says, can I say on his chest? And what's the other one? No, I'm saying if Ian sang on it, he would have two instead of just the one. Oh, right, right, right. That's how much better it would be. Or you just get some, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get a sick like shadow underneath like the, the first can I say, <laughs> but uh, what now? How about the other intangible? So, are these two beefing by '87? Are they Probably. are they are they going to work together well, or there's some schism between the two? Well, if like so, '86 is can I say it's on Discord? So Ian put out their record, True. so there couldn't have been that much beef between them if there, there was any at all. There wasn't yeah. that the the, the beef was in my understanding was not had nothing to do with their personalities with each other it was band stuff so oh band stuff though and now you want to chuck them in that pressure cooker again stick them in a van i don't know i think when when minor threat was around there was there's a great article everyone has to read it who is a fan of minor threat i want to say it's on vice it's uh, that the guy who was in, who played bass 
Steve Hansgen for yeah. uh, for like a year with my vet. It's an interview with him, and he talked about how crazy being in that band was and how everyone hated each other so much. And he said one of them, when they were on tour, maybe in California, one of them beat the other one up, but I can't remember which which two it was. Maybe it was Jeff and Lyle, but like he's just like, yeah, I just watched one of them beat the other one up. Like, whoa, these guys really hated each other. Lyle sounds way but, harder. You know, <laughs> under the tutelage of such an expert manager as Bench, uh, you know, that's where the management comes in. That's true. Bench yeah, has got the personality he, to hold them together. Yeah. Ian is self. Ian would never be in a band with a manager. Come on. Of course. <laughs> that's why you're going to have to say you're an intern. Right. <laughs> all right let's go on to daniel what is your second pick Ooh. all right i'm gonna take this guy off the table legendary bass player craig ahead all right craig Satari has been on all of your favorite hardcore records, not only all of your favorite hardcore records, but all of your favorite hardcore band's favorite hardcore records. He's been on them all. AF, sick of it all. Like, straight ahead. You Creep, division. Creep division. Creep <laughs> division. <laughs> like, seriously. And his sound, the bass sound on Scratch the Surface might be the best hardcore bass sound of all time. Well, everybody after that started trying to duplicate that sound. So yes, definitely. Every, every, everybody <laughs> bought a sand vamp because Craig had that because yeah. of that bass tone. But they all didn't have Big Red or whatever the name of the bass yeah. is. <laughs> you know. But not only do you get someone who's been there, seen it all, been on all of these legendary records, has the best bass sound, but he also fucking does the perfect like two step in while playing that an awesome stage presence. Like just fucking rad and authentic, like a very authentic person. I have a really I have a really funny Craig story and I thought about it yesterday because I was listening to an interview with Walter on Turned Out a Punk and he said that Craig was like the first like band guy he went up to and said Hey, you were really good. This was like six, uh, God, what, this was uh, when he was in um, uh, Straight Ahead. Yeah, and, and he said Craig was was so nice to him, and like, you know what I mean? Like, what if Walter had gone up to some other guy who was a dick to him? Like, maybe he wouldn't have stuck around in the scene, you know? Because uh, it would have left a bad taste in his mouth. But I, in the mid '90s, I saw Sick of It All at the Roxy, and I was telling someone I'm I don't really like Sick of It All. <laughs> And he was like this old New York guy who was like a friend of theirs. And he just taps Craig on the shoulder because everyone's outside at the end of the show. And he goes, hey, this kid here doesn't like sick of it all. This kid here doesn't like, <laughs> they're just like, motherfucker, why did you do that? Well, why did Craig's you say like, he didn't like sick of it all? Craig was like, oh, you don't like sick of it all? That's cool. He, Craig was so cool. He was like, that's cool. Awesome. And he like got in this conversation with me about why he quit using today. And like, he's just such a nice guy. Yeah. I have a very similar story. When I was 17, Don and I just started talking to Craig at Soma, like when they played, uh, I think with Francis, I'm not sure. But we, like, same kind of thing. Like, you 
you see all these people that in your record collection in your mind you think of legends you know and then at a very formative age they just show you that they're just people and that you can be just as much a part of it as them and it it really does make you feel at home forever you know and then a week later daniel yeah. started palpatine and uh created cosplay hardcore <laughs> and the rest is history and yeah. now we're larping do you do you want more craig stories because i could go on for hours two or oh, yeah you were them, but yeah. you tour with them right yeah well why don't you tell one no hours please no how about i just tell the uh the monster cruise story okay yeah they were te- well they were telling craig he doesn't know what hardcore is <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, he said we're fucking monster crew dudes. We're talking shit to Craig. You don't know what fucking hardcore is about. Okay. At the showcase? No, it was just in. It was in Salt Lake. Oh, of course. The the real w- dumbass wing of the monster crew. Yeah. I heard that on. What did, I heard that on Breakdown the Wall. What did Craig say? What was his? Oh yeah. Wait, what was his comeback? Oh, uh, he didn't. He didn't say anything. It's like, uh, like he's like, okay, kids, and like all the uh, all the uh, six foot guys all had uh, pool balls. They had stuffed in socks, and they, like they were fucking ready to go with those monster crew dudes. It was going to be crazy. All the good riddance guys all had fucking brass knuckles and all kind. It was it, it, it was going to be mayhem. Oh god! Oh, what could have? And then they said that to Craig, been. and then they just left. I have a crazy Salt Lake story that revolves around Chubby Fresh and and the band Integrity, but it's I don't want it's it'll it'll, de- it'll derail our conver- this conversation. But yeah. no, well, we'll please, wait, we'll next wait, time go, we'll wait go till on. you pick. Go on, I'll, I'll I'll make up uh, for the time by flying through my picks. Um, so tell the story, Chubby, <laughs> Chubby Fresh in Salt Lake uh, City, Utah. Uh, Amendment eighteen played there in December two thousand three. I played i filled in on bass for amendment 18 for about six months that was the last show i ever did with them and it was opening for integrity it was the only time i had ever been to salt lake and there was some issue where chubby fresh broke borrowed some kids uh, kick drum pedal and then broke it and then wouldn't pay the kid back and his older brother and his friends came to the show to like get the money or something and like beat chubby fresh up and we were in the the backstage area and there was only one way in and out of the room and the the guys stood at the stood at the door and and were like we're we're gonna kick your ass or something or we'll see you outside we'll see you outside and and chubby fresh was talking all big like yeah let's go fuck it i'll go i'm gonna i'll be out there in like five minutes i'll kick i'll, I'll kick all of your asses just some, just mouthing off and chubby fresh already had a giant like not on his head and a black eye from having been beat up like two days earlier in another state for another reason. In Northern and he, California. And he fucking, the second those guys leave the backstage area, Chubby Fresh gets on a cell phone, calls the police and says, there are a bunch of guys out here. Uh, they have, and he's totally sounding panicked. They have guns. They're going to kill me. You've got to get here as fast as possible. And, I was like, whoa. And, and, um, like 15 minutes go by and like the, the main dude comes back to the backstage area and he's all, 
you called the fucking cops on us? I thought you were in like one life crew. I thought you were all about violence and you called the cops on us? And he's just like laughing in Chubby Fresh's face. And they don't end up getting beat up. No one ends up getting beat up, but one guy is standing by the door holding a uh, hi-hat um, stand. You know, the thing you put the, whatever the fuck that's called. You know, where you put the hi-hat symbols on? Yeah. And he's holding it behind his, he's holding it behind his back. Like, I'm going to just, like, like a friend of integrity's. Like, he's just going to swing it if, if things get out of hand. And I'm trapped back there. I'm like, if this goes, pops off, I'm like trapped in the middle of it. But I, I just thought that was hilarious how he just like got on the phone with the cops so quickly and was just like so panicked sounding. And then he's like, what do you mean? And he goes, and, and when they come back, Chubby Fresh goes, what do you mean you called the cops? What do you mean I called the cops on you? I didn't call the cops on you. That didn't happen. Like fully straight face. Like I didn't call the cops. Like, wow. What if, what, what if those kids what are, what the character, what if those kids are listeners and they've always been talking about it since then? Like, do you think he called the cops? I don't know. He probably, but I, I don't really know. And they found out the truth right now. Yeah, right now. Yeah, that's quite possible. That could, yep. Who knew that Chubby Fresh was the original Karen? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yep. He doesn't have that nice haircut, though. That 45-year-old woman <laughs> haircut. Um, right. You know, back to Craig Ahead. Um, I heard that on Break Down the Walls, he wanted to go as Craig Ahead. And... uh and Ray and Porcel are like, no, we're the only guys that get the uh, the special names. We're the only superheroes. Yeah. Do you guys know if that's true or not? I don't know, but I, it wouldn't it wouldn't uh, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Because Ray, Richie could have been yeah Richie but, Underdog. Right. Man, that's a superstar fucking lineup. Um. Yeah. Okay. Great fucking pick. Uh, moving on to me. I will take probably the greatest current hardcore frontman still after all these years, been going since the eighties as a child. Um, I'm taking Freddie Madball and uh, why not? Uh, 1994 set it off. Maybe the greatest hardcore record of all time. I'm putting them back together. Matt Henderson, Freddie Madball. Let's see what happens. All right, let's go on to Joe. What is your second okay. pick? Hey, Zach, we don't have to fly through your pick. Let's talk about the way that Freddie Madball commands a stage. Well, I'm hoping for more Chubby Fresh stories, so we got to keep my sec- we got to keep my segment short. No, no, we got to we got to talk about Freddie Madball as a frontman. You got to you got to give him that respect. Okay, so before COVID, I I wonder if we're ever going to be normal again because like. You know, sometimes like things line up and you're like, was that fate? And I don't believe in anything, you know, but it's like, what the fuck? Like, I literally got to see my two favorite bands before COVID. So if like we never can go see concerts again, it's fucking weird that I got to see Madball and Dillinger 4 before this all got shut down. Um, And I've seen Madball a million fucking times. But like last time they were just as good as the fucking first time I saw them. You know, they never disappoint. Um, Freddie's in total control of the stage, uh, perfect, like combination of, of movement and confidence because, um, you know, when I was younger, like Joe, a perfect example is when you let me sing that song, um, with burning dog with Henry from aggression yeah, yeah, playing the, guitar. Yeah. If you look at yeah. how I act, I'm like trying to move a lot. 
Because in my head, I was like, as long as you're moving, you're not boring, you know? Right. And that's not really good stage presence. Um, and I remember seeing, like, Death Threat the first time. And it was crazy because the first time I saw Death Threat, there was, like, 15 people there. But Aaron Knuckles exudes so much confidence, and he doesn't he doesn't really move that much. He kind of, like, posts up and just sings and has so much confidence. And I remember watching him and just being like, what the fuck? It was, like, mind-blowing. It's like, oh, no, like stage presence is all about confidence and like command of the stage. And then, well, I think, okay, so let me finish. Sorry about that. So then we, we combined it, you know, you combined it in someone like Freddie Madball, where it's like, he does it both. He fucking moves like as gnarly as like, I think age from take offense is one of the best front men. And that dude fucking moves it. Um, and Freddie, you know, he's what? 20 years older than age. And he's still fucking moving it just as good as that. But then he also has like the same sort of confidence where he can settle in and like do like the like the Aaron Knuckles style. So overall, just one of the greatest hardcore frontmen of all time. Um, total flow can like sing over slow songs, fast songs, bouncy songs, whatever, um, and write catchy hardcore hardcore shit. He's a timeless singer, one of the greatest of all time. Uh, let's go to Daniel. Well, the, the thing that you are talking about, Aaron Knuckles and Freddie Madball and a few, some others that we'll probably get to, like the Ian thing is like tuneful aggression, right? But we're talking about Freddie Madball and talking about Aaron Knuckles. The thing that they have is charisma. Do you know what I mean? Like you can tell that they've seen dark days, but they're bringing the positivity to the stage even though they could fucking crush someone with their hands, you know, there's, there's such a likability about those people as well as the pure aggression of movement and the amazing voice, you know? And I've always felt that, that like when shit, you know, it's a mad ball show. So invariably shit is popping off occasionally. And the way he deals with it, like, Hey, 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 come on now. You know, like it's so jovial and likable. It's not like, yo, what the fuck, you know? I don't know. It's just they're very charismatic, and I, I, I think it's a great pick. Yeah, I think that you, you nailed it with charisma too. Like maybe that's, uh, maybe that's like the third thing, you know, of movement, confidence, and charisma. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's personality exuding through, right? Like some people bounce off, and I'm sure that all our singers are going to do it. I think Ian's the same way. I mean, he's a guy that you know, in singing, like you really get a sense of what he's about. And I think that that's what like the best singers do, you know, like when you, when you read a good book, you know, people say like, Oh, the words jump off the page. Well, it's kind of the same when you're listening to like the best music, um, the music jumps out the album, the personalities jump out the album. And, uh, yeah, that's what the best do. So, uh, yeah, let's go on to Joe with your second pick. Freddie's pretty amazing. I got, I got to give you that pick. Absolutely. Um, I Okay, so I chose the drummer. Now I'm going to choose my bass player. Um, and I'm going, uh, knocking him off the board now. It's, it's, it's Matt Friedman. So nobody gets them. Love it. Talent. Love it. And that combo. I mean, I would, yeah, I would, just, I would like to sit like, in the room and fuck. listen to those two jam. Fuck. No guitar, just, no singer. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you don't need nothing. It's right there. 
yeah. I mean, it's pretty much like Carl and Bill jamming anyway, because Carl would be my next, he would be on my list of choices. Uh, but, but yeah, Matt Freeman. And great voice and I, too. And I'm not the biggest, and I'm not the biggest Rancid fan, as you guys know. We've talked about that before. But his fucking face plane is top notch, top notch. Yeah, so. yeah. Like I, I, I use like an Iron Maiden analogy a lot because, like, yeah. If the, I could pick Steve Harris, that would have been the choice. But <laughs> well, well, just with Maiden in general, and more so on the guitar side, it's like they can obviously fucking shred your face. But what makes Iron Maiden so great is they also know when to hang back, you know? And it's like, no, you don't need to noodle the whole time. Like, sometimes yeah. you're just palm muting and playing fucking power chords, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. And just, this, this just is... Just running, running, the, running the, the, the rhythm, yeah. Yeah, because if you don't have fucking great songwriting, what are you? Like, you don't want to be... How do you say his name? Ingwe Mousteam? Did I say yeah. that right? Like, you'll sure. end up being that, or like Steve Vai, or like some fucking foo. You know, it's like, that's no, you got to write. What's that? Sat boogie. <laughs> Sat- <laughs> what, what, what is that? Satriani. Satch boogie. I'm going to take offense and, and, and talk shit right now. Don't put Steve I in with, with those guys because he's different. But okay. anyway, that's all. Well, just like some do this <laughs> known. Okay. Don't you he, was a fucking, he he played guitar for Frank Zappa, so Frank Zappa, fucking nobody can fucking touch that. So. Okay, all right, fair enough. I mean, we were all cool when <laughs> we were young, right? <laughs> yeah. You know how uh, Steve was on the Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey soundtrack. <laughs> he played with David Coverdale, man. Don't talk shit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, does anyone here listen to the Replacements? Yeah, sure, yeah. of course. And that song, they have that song, I Hate Music. I Hate Music, it's got too many notes. <laughs> I, I always think of Matt Freeman when I listen to that. I'm like, Matt Freeman's got too many notes. <laughs> but he knows he when can. to hang back. He knows but, when to hang back. Yeah. Um, I love um, Operation Ivy. So. And I love Rancid. And I think that uh, uh, another unsung thing about Matt Freeman is I love his vocals. Like on the first Rancid album, yeah. that song "Rejected" oh, that was like gr- one of my best. Gruff, rejected, rejected, Aren't you glad you did this, Ben? <laughs> oh, I love it. I love, <laughs> it. I love it. I love this pick, dude. Uh, I okay. I, I was good. Northern Towns were playing the Casbah with Matt Freeman's psychobilly band called. Uh, Hell's Brigade or whatever, mm-hmm. or Devil's Brigade, right? Okay. So they that band had chosen us. Like they were submitted a few different bands to open for them, and they chose us on the strength of like listening to us on MySpace. Believe it or not, right? We get there. Tommy, the guitar player, I didn't know this at the time. Had been at the Casbah for like three hours, getting paralytically drunk. So we get on stage, we start playing a song because my whole thing going into this was like, I'm going to hit Matt Freeman up afterwards since they chose us to play it. And if we play, you know, I'm going to try and get us on Hellcat. (laughs) You know, I was like, I really, you know, want to do this band full time. We play 
the worst set to where I go over to Tommy after the first song. I'm like, what can't you hear? What's not in the monitor? Like, let me know. I'll tell the sound guy. And he just looks at me with glossed over eyes and goes, hey, man, I'm golden. I'm like, we are fucked. So I like cut like four songs out the set list. Still tried to talk to him about being on the way, but he's like, yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) Would you say that you got rejected, rejected? (laughs) Without a doubt. With a ten, with a ten bar bass bridge, like on Detroit. Got a good seat in the bath here tonight. All right, Daniel, let's take it back to you on your number or Bedge's first. Let's take it to Bedge, number three pick. Bedge, number three pick. I'm gonna go drummer, and I'm gonna go. Well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say two words, and it'll tell you what I'm, what I'm thinking. Red tape. Oh. Fucking lucky, lucky Lehrer, or however you say his last name, circa 1980. Come on, man, circle jerks. It's like he he has to have been the best drummer of that scene of that era, you know, right? Yeah, of that is- of that scene, because Biscuits is still in DOA. Yeah. Yes, I believe so. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I would say he takes it. I mean. I can't think of someone doing a fast song better at that point. Right. And so plus I get some, some California action in my uh, DC, DC heavy band. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yell at Second California pick. And, and, and um, minor threat were huge. Um, Circle Jerks fans. So Ian Circa 81 would be like, I get to be in a band with Lucky? Fuck yeah. You know they'd be stoked on that shit. Yeah, I love this pick. Oh, I saw the future. Oh, but damn, you're a heroin junkie? Oh, fuck. Oh, was Lucky? I don't I don't know that for sure, but that was oh. definitely uh, going on with a lot of those guys at that time. So I thought it was the bass player who had issues that was no longer with us. Yeah, that but might be I the don't case. Know. Why you gotta Why you gotta bring up old shit, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> you outed him after forty years. But well, uh, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know for for a fact. <laughs> so let's just kick around heroin use rumors on the pod. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One eighty five hot take. I know that is <laughs> that is, but this is a great pick. Um, yeah, I mean you got to think that at the time everyone is influenced by the circle jerks. Like I listened to, again, shout out to uh turned out a punk. Uh, Jerry a was interviewed on there twice. And he, he basically says red tape is like the reason why poison, poison idea existed, you know? And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can't think of a better punk band than poison idea, you know, period. Like when you look at the catalog, um, who put out that many great LPs? Do you guys have anyone? Um, yeah, I have. I love Government Issue, like all the way to the end. And I know they're like less punk sounding towards the end, but mm-hmm. they just evolved in a way that didn't get shitty the way most punk bands evolved to me. But yeah. I can understand if someone else doesn't like later Government Issue. 
Um, and I like Naked Ray, Naked Ray Gun never had, you know, not every single song was great, but every album has great songs on it. They had a really long run too. I always, I love thinking about that. Like, like punk, punk bands, hardcore bands that with longevity, cause there's so few of them, you know, I think that those are two good examples, but I would still lean poison idea on both those. I mean, if you think about it, it's like feel the darkness might be their best record, you know? And like just starting out, like listening to like war all the time. It's like, okay, assuming you count like pick your King as a seven inch, which like really, you know, you could count, I don't know. You can count it either way. But it's probably EP. So it's like that we're all the time shit. Third LP, and it just fucking shreds. Like, they don't fall off at all. And then they they change the sound a tiny bit for Feel the Darkness, but it's like still shredding and fucking crazy. Um, I don't know, dude. I think that those are both good examples. Naked Reagan, especially. But uh, for the solidness of... For, uh, Sick of it all. Yeah. Yeah. I think you put Sick of it all and Madball in there, too. Um, Bugazi. Bugazi. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I, okay. I would just say that's a, it's a different style where it's a little, it's easier to have longevity when you're adding singing. Um, if you're talking about having yep. like a monotone singer, then it's, it's completely different ballgame. So once you, once you have singing, it's like, oh, okay. Well, you know, lots of people have long careers singing because like the world is your oyster. When you have like a monotone singer, it's very hard because the music, everything is limited. So, but yeah. But, and I was, I was kind of half kidding too. I actually don't think later Fugazi is as good as early Fugazi. Um, although there are good, there are good songs on every album. Yeah. Um, Daniel, you sound a little distant. Um, you want to get up on the mic? Okay. Um, okay. I'm here. All right, cool, because we're going to you for your number three pick. All right. Let's see. Do I want to unleash the drummer? Or shall I? Yeah. I am going to go with Chris Bratton. Inside Out, Chain of Strength. Just those two bands in particular. But I'm going to go with the Chain 7 Inches era, Chris Bratton. I think what an incredible drummer, like such style, such, uh, amazing playing, arguably almost the thing that stands out of those great chain songs to me is just the, the incredible drumming. And that's saying something when all the other parts of the band are so good as well, you know? And then the inside out, era too like that that is to come in this band like he's going to progress even into the inside out you know uh power to come with this band's next record <laughs> this larped band's next record you know <laughs> yeah his, his drum is incredible if you think about like the fills on like too deep until now or like yeah that just one super long drum fill on uh true till death like it's sick is is he's doing Lombardo in a hardcore band? Yeah, and and he doesn't have to uh, like the different tempos. He still has utter control and power throughout. You know, whether it's a slower part, whether it's just straight ahead fast part going into like every fill has it 
adds, it's like a musical riff into the song. Do you know what I mean? Like you listen for those parts when you listen to the songs. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I, I met Chris uh, about uh, in the early 2000s at, in, at Spaceland. And I said, I said, uh, let's start a band you, uh, the, the, and you can play drums in it. Like someone <laughs> just, here's Chris Bratton within five minutes. I'm like, let's do a band. Uh, you play drums. And he's all, I don't want to play drums in a band. I want to play bass in the band. And I'm just like, what a, what a waste. <laughs> Cause he's yeah. such a good drummer. Like, dude. Um, but, um, yeah, God, what a great drummer. And, and, um, there's this drum thing that he does it when the song impact is kind of fading out where it's like, boom, boom. Yeah. Boom, boom. And yeah. I thought that he might've taken that from a song by the kinks called strangers which is on Lo- the Lola album. And I played it, I played it for Chris. I, I pulled it up on my phone and I put on, put headphones to his ear. I go, listen to this. It's like, it's like the end of impact. He goes, that sounds really good. It's like, that's not where he got that idea. Yeah. <laughs> Wishful thinking on my part. <laughs> well, of course he was going to big league it. What if you, you found him out, dude, he's going to no sell that it, shit. It's not really identical. Yeah. It's yeah. not really the same, but he kinks on a bad, Band to steal from though anyway. Yeah, so. it fades out with uh, with the floor tops. Dump the dump. Anyway, yeah, I think that to to talk about his sound, like of course, like the the slower parts with the fills and shit are obviously like the standout. But the way he plays the fast parts, it sounds so chunky. Like in yeah. a way that it's not like it's not going for like the the speed, even though it is fast. Um, you know, the only other guy I can think of that that does that so well on the fast beats would be Chubby Fresh. Um, you know, just where like the fast beats sound so chunky. Um, yeah, I don't know how else to describe it, but uh, yeah, yeah, he's like the gold Absolutely. standard. Chris Bratton is the gold standard for the fast youth crew beat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you almost can't say it's a standard because no one can. You just can't really get there. Um. The bar is too high. So, at least for the yeah. era. At least for the era. Yeah, great pick, Daniel. Um, I mean, all these picks have been really good so far. Okay, so we're going to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am going to go bass player. No, I'm going to take my... Uh, yeah, I'm going to go bass player. I'm going Hoya Rock. Uh, oh, I know what. Oh, yeah, man. I almost said it last time. I was like, I know who's going to be your bass player, and now, now it's been confirmed. So, What's uh, happening? Set it off, era. Mad Ball is going to be Zach's band. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Nostradamus says but, that baseball's wrong. Man with four balls cannot walk. <laughs> um, but anyway. Yeah, Hoya Rock. He's he's adding the groove to Madball, and uh, he's an amazing bass player. Again, stage presence, fucking awesome. And uh, yeah, he's he's still doing it. I don't know how much of the songwriting he does, but he's been the staple of Freddie the whole run um, of holding Madball together. Possibly the greatest hardcore band of all time. So my pick number three on bass, the legend Hoya Rock. Joe, let's go to you I'm- for your. Oh, go ahead. I just wanted to say something. I'm doing my best not to recreate Minor Threat circa 83. You know, like I yeah. could have picked Jeff Nelson in my last pick. Like that would have been fine. He's an amazing drummer. 
and you're just like, fuck it, I'm just going to do a really 90s mad ball. I'm just going to recreate the whole band. Zach is essentially pissing on the LARPing idea by just saying, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, okay. He'll so pick someone from Madball and he'll fuck his uh, whole, 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 <laughs> fuck his whole uh, thing up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys don't know, man. I got two more picks. I just... Well, I've already taken my drummer, so I can't have Will Scheffler. Yeah. Why can't you have two drummers? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> we, did. We, we did say two. Just to fuck Zach up. Why not? Yeah. Well, we <laughs> two guitars, two guitars. Um, okay, Joe, let's go to you. Number three. Number three. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to take my first guitarist and go with... Uh, so, Bill Stevenson, Matt Freeman, and now Dan Yeeman. Woo! Nice. Hell yeah. Uh, Does he have shoes on? Uh, no, no. Uh, man, man is the bastard sticker on his guitar. That, that <laughs> purple strap. Yeah. Give a, uh, give a little no, bit that of white his, one. Give a little bit of his discography, Joe. Uh, Lifetime. Uh, and Kid Dynamite. I mean, these things and uh, Paint Black. Paint Black, Black. But uh, yeah, those are his two bands. Dan, I just love Dan's songwriting and and uh, catchy little licks and all that stuff and whatever. I know the other guys in you know in Lifetime helped write all those songs too, but Dan's touches are are obvious, especially when you hear what happens in Kid Dynamite afterwards. So, uh, Yeems, your rules. I love Good Lifetime. Pick. Good pick. Do you like the early? I think he's a- Go ahead. Go ahead, Daniel. I was going to say he's a very smart person, so you're going to get, you know, a really, really, well, just like Ben has with Ian, you know, a very clever person that can set a direction for the band, set some lyrics, you know, things like that. When he's a doctor, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a private practice psychologist, and sometimes I'll be talking to him, and he'll be like, I want to punch so-and-so in the fucking face. And I'm like, damn, you're someone in shrink. <laughs> Yeah. Anger management. Well, the, the soprano showed us that shrink, shrink, see shrink. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a, I should that ask was him a good documentary. <laughs> um, how do you guys feel about pre Hello Bastards lifetime? Love it. I still love it. Yeah. We I think we that's put up it. every time lifetime's brought up, Zach, that you're just uh, you just ride for Jersey's best dancers. You know. Well, so I was asking. We you, like, I was asking your guys' opinion. The background LP, uh, they remixed oh. it in like the mid two thousands and yeah. reissued it sounds, uh, sounds as good. like a what do they call it? Somewhere in the swamps of Jersey, it's like a yeah. collection of a bunch of lifetimes, seven inches, thing, yeah. And it, and it sounds and it's amazing. Like if you think that remixing a record can't save it listen to the way that record sounded in the first place and then the remix it's like oh my god they made this record three times better just by remixing it like you can really save a record well i mean the music has to be good i suppose but you can really save the way a record sounds by remixing it ben how do you feel about like uh when they redid the outspoken the light in the dark like that that's, one? that's the other example i was going to bring up because that's another example of a record that sounds on 
not a hundred times better, but three times better after uh, Paul Miner remixed it. Um, and I know you like the, the original mix, but the problem for me is that the drums and the vocals are too loud and the guitar and the bass are too so- are too quiet on the original version. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that the new one obviously sounds a ton better. So it might be what I would show to people. But I, I just think that it pulls it just pulls a little of the character out. Um but, but again, that's like it's the first shit you hear is what you connect with, right? It's like do you like roar or do you like rock for light? And generally whichever one you got into first is the one you like. You know, and there's no yeah, there's no real wrong answer there. But what? for me, I heard the there wasn't those remixes didn't exist yet when I got into those records, and I completely think the remixes sound way better. And uh, I think that the remix outspoken sounds like sonically identical or very close to the Judge LP, like that good. You know? Yeah, it's amazing what Paul did oh. there. Also, oh, when the, and here's Paul's the fucking man. He is when the, the Chain LP came out. Of the two seven inches, like remixed and remastered, a lot of people had beef with it at first because it didn't sound like the seven inches. But you know, I appreciate having being able to have it all in in the collection to enjoy all the different eras and sounds of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're feel, not. Um, how do you feel about that one, Ben? Because people hate that re the redone shit on that chain. Well, they they took stuff out of it, which is or they added stuff and they took stuff out of it, which is like you shouldn't do that. Fair Um, fair enough. But how about how about the actual sound of it? Yeah, it sounds good. Um, But um, the "We're Not in This Alone" Youth of Today album sounds the the remix sounds the nineteen ninety seven remix sounds better, I think, than anything else. I agree. So, wait, yeah. so, so that's, and I, is yeah. that the, the second Caroline version? No, the first. No, the, re, the Rev reissue. Oh. Okay. The very first Rev, the spray paint, uh, used the Today logo on the back. Okay. But I think they, they reinstated the original cover art, but they kept that 97 uh, audio. I might be wrong about that. I think they did, though. No, they, uh, they've since done the original cover art but when it first came out in 97 it had that picture of like a sepia tone picture of ray with his kind of hand up uh and then on the back it has kind of like the spray paint uh no more kind of logo ish yeah yeah the you can yeah, you're thinking of uh can't close my eyes has the his fist with the x on it but uh, but um no i'm, I'm thinking we're not i i could turn my oh. camera on and go get it Okay. Okay. That's, that's yeah. Podcasting. But 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 now <laughs> you're right. Yeah. But now now the uh, the the artwork has been restored for yeah. all those all those records. But the the audio is still that those '97 remixes, right? That yeah. You went and okay. Agreed. Which I agree with. I and there were two better. Caroline mixes, of course, as well. Okay. So yep. That's right. Gotcha. So there, there's two Caroline. I knew that. And then so the the '97 they did it again. They changed it again. They remixed yeah. it. Huh. That's, that's, they remixed it. So that's a good reason to get that then. What what is currently on Spotify then? It would be that. That's the red the red mix is on Spotify. Okay. The good the best version, the, the yeah. latest version. Yeah. Ninety seven. I, I don't even know what I have now because I had the Caroline. I had one of the Carolines and I sold it, 
And then I know I've rebought it since then. So I, I'll have to check the collection, dude. Um, anyway, Rad oh, Pick, Joe. Here's an Easter egg. Wait, wait. I got to tell you about this Easter egg. And the outspoken, when they remixed it, he forgot. Uh, Paul Miner didn't know that to pot down the vocals at the beginning of, uh, I think it was Is Beauty a Crime? I can't remember the song. But he go, you hear John Quayle go, oh, come on. <laughs> it's like, do, 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 do. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I hate that. And Hartsfield played that for me before it came out. And he goes, We we took this shit out, but he didn't know it was supposed to stay out, so he put it back in and I think it's funny now. Yeah. I I don't like it. But hey (laughs) Come on. It's kinda cool. It would have been cool if if that was like I don't know, I think it should have gone once like it originally did, without the come on. I think you could have instead of the yeah, you could have said come on. But that yeah is so ill. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's the, oh, it's so good. Anyway, uh, let's go back to Bedge for number four. Number four. Okay. So I have a bass slot to fill and I have a second guitar slot to fill. So I'm going to go bass and I'm going to go, I'm going to stay DC, but I'm not going to go Discord. I'm going to go Daryl Jennifer. Of the bad brains. All right. And and what era am I picking? I'm picking any era as long as he doesn't play reggae. <laughs> Can you? Well, still. That's like still? That, that's changing him. He's gonna yeah. argue he's gonna argue for a couple of reggae songs on there, dude. Yep. yep. And and is Lucky gonna go for it? Mm, <laughs> I wouldn't say that's Daryl Jennifer. He's gonna go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I know. I, I think you're gonna get your reggae songs, but I don't. I don't he's he, he's. It's gonna happen like this. Hey, let's do this reggae song. Here, hit this, and then and then it's on. And then Ian does it. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear Ian's patois. <laughs> can we hear Ian's patois? <laughs> Actually, you can hear it. Uh, they did a dub version of "Asshole" by Government Issue. It's on a Discord uh, box set. Oh, that's true. That is true. <laughs> is he doing a patois? I can't remember though. It's definitely all dubbed out. He's just got the dub vocal on. <laughs> you just got to get the dude off heroin and onto weed, and then uh, that reggae song is, is happening. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Lucky. He's probably never done the uh, drug no, in his come life, on, man. and he's getting picked on. I have no idea. <laughs> was that Joe telling me, come on, man? I, was, I didn't start the rumor. I didn't start the rumor. Well, you're, 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 you're perpetuating it, man. Hey, I'm let, just trying let, to, let it go. I'm trying to help let him it go. out. Of, I'm trying to help him out of dark times. I'm, uh, I'm extending that, I'm extending that green thumb, but, uh, yeah. All right. This is great. So how do you think that Daryl and, uh, who's your guitarist? Um, Brian Baker, 86. Yeah. How do you think that they, they vibe together? I think it works. I think it works well. Like think about it. If like Daryl's playing like the fast, bad brainsy punk, I mean, that's not too far off from minor thread or Dagnasty, you know? Yeah. And let's not forget that we already saw Ian lecture Daryl on the bad brains documentary. <laughs> At that row oh, about like being homophobic or something. What was that about? Yeah, yeah about their don't blow bubbles 
big boys bullshit from back in the day. Yeah, Daryl said something, and Ian was like corrected him. What did he say though? I can't remember. Uh, he was just like, we were just kids. He's like, that, that's not no excuse, or like that doesn't matter. Like that was wrong, you know. Just blasting him, not giving him a an inch in true Ian style. You know. Plus, plus they weren't just kids. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he was, he was God, it had to have been well into his twenties when it happened. And also, that person just put you up and did a show for you. Yeah, yeah. So, way to well, pick homophobic bass player. Ben. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I didn't. <laughs> well, he could. He said any era, um, so he could take the the modern woke version. Yeah. He still shreds. He's not gonna be bad at base. Uh, I like the um, the roar tape better than the uh, rock for light. I guess that's a big thing that people like to argue about because oh, it's mostly the same songs, right? It's like almost yeah. all the, yeah. the same songs. Yeah, it's roar all the way. I'm, I'm it's roar. roar. I'm roar all the way. Yeah, all the way. Yeah. Um, you guys are wrong, but that's okay. So, <laughs> I'll take black. I'll take black dots over over um, rock for light. Actually, Black Dots is really close to being number one for me as well. Well, you've been getting into Daryl Jennifer's stuff. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Daniel, let's go with your number four. All right. My number four. I am going to go with vocals. That's so dangerous, saving your vocals that. for number four. I, I, yeah. I appreciate the balls. So... They only played one show, but this is the era I'm going because yeah, up yeah, until we know who you're taking. But this is the most perfect hardcore vocalist I think ever, except for Ian, which brings so much more. But I wanted to go. Is with anybody this. there? Does anybody care? Does anybody see what I see? No. If you are sick. That just just him on stage at the start of the Alone in a Crowd show. We're talking about Jules Massey from Alone in a Crowd. And previously, he has just done Side by Side, which is the best record on Revelation Records. And Walter will be bummed that I'm saying that. But Walter, you know, come on. You got to give it up. <laughs> the Side by Side 7 is just the best. Um, if you are sick, like... Jules just prowling the stage in the fucking USA champion shorts with the schism shirt over the hoodie, Air Jordan ones, just prowling. And then he just goes, is anybody there? And it goes in. Oh my God. Am I just alone in a fucking crowd? And then the song kicks in. And I mean, I remember I got, I I got that video from Larry Ransom uh, back when, you know, I only had the Alone in the Crowd 7-inch. And, you know, he's like, you know, I have the video of the one show that they played. And so he dubbed it from VCR to VCR for me. I must have watched that set. Now you can find it on YouTube. And I implore everybody listening to this, when you're done listening to the playlist that we put together and all of that, go onto YouTube and watch the Alone in a Crowd set if you've never seen it. It is incredible, and that is what a hardcore singer should look and act like. And, well, look look doesn't matter, but I'm saying, like, his gear, 
it just gets me fucking psyched. I am just like, this is grade A hardcore. This is what I think of when I think of hardcore. This is, this is the peak of Everest for me. So Jules Massey side by side alone in a crowd. I mean, just look at the pictures that you see from side by side playing live. He's in a fucking Fred Perry Polo with Adidas fucking, uh, decades and top tens on like just fucking epic look and the best voice arguably ever so there you have it jules massey what do you guys think what what about the slut shaming song (laughs) it's a bummer i mean (laughs) i don't care whatever i mean it's a bummer if it's about girls in general which he has since come out and said it was about a particular person. So, um, you know, when we look at, I mean, you just put Daryl Jennifer in your band. So let's, let's, (laughs) that's, that's why I brought it up. You know, there are histories to everyone, especially 30, 40 years ago, almost on some of it. But, um, yeah, who they know is a fucking ripping song. It's, it's just, so good. It's just, that record's so good, dude. Yeah, I I got I got goosebumps when you were doing your Jules impression of him talking to you before this song. <laughs> yeah, and we don't have to, we don't have to pretend that we don't like aesthetics, right? Um, you know, you obviously love it, Daniel, but and everyone does. Yeah. Everyone does. I mean, yeah. that's that's part of any anything you connect to. You like the way it. You know, it has to like uh, stimulate yeah. the senses, right? It, yeah, it's it's why like those new wave of British hardcore bands are fucking coming over wearing chain belts and construction gloves. There are certain things that have the aesthetics has just gone into the world where we look back and we go that era and the way things are presented. Oh my god, that's perfect! You know, it's why hardware fanzine celebrated that look. You know, because these are the things we hold on to, and these are the things that define hardcore to us, you know. And yeah, there's actually. I, go ahead, sorry. And and just with the jewels thing, for so long, up until they recently did this reunion and all of the stuff, he was the one that got away. He was the mystery, you know. He was the one that you just. Oh, I heard he was a you know a a tugboat captain. I heard he's this. I heard <laughs> that. And, you know, they've asked him to do all these reunions. He's never wanted to. He's never come back. He's never sullied his name, you know. And they came back for charity because the guitar player has a brain aneurysm or brain tumor. And, you know, that's fucking honorable. But it, I loved, to, to be truthful, I loved when it was a mystery. And Jules was just the guy, like the the gunslinger that was out in the wind that you just didn't know about anymore. Like just the legend was bigger than the, than the reality. Mike judge was like that too, for so long. No one knew where Mike judge was. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I met Mike judge, I guess they, the, when they came to play in uh, orange County and I guess it was 2013. Um, I, I, and I just thought, I never thought I was ever going to meet this guy. It was just never in my, any thought of mine that I would meet this, that I would meet my judge. You know, it's just. Especially it's just, because the weirdness of the old smoke record adding to the, like, 
the mystery of this person disappearing, you know? Yeah. The motorcycles and all of that, you know? Anyway, that's my pick, Zach. You're up. Well, when when, when when Retali played with Judge in uh, 2019, I actually had him serenade me with uh, pushing a dreamer in the parking lot. <laughs> no, you did not. <laughs> no, actually, it was one-eyed Jack. But uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, well, thanks for not stepping on my picks, Daniel. I am gonna choose my second guitarist, and I'm going Stigma. Um, and who can deny Vinny Stigma? He is the New York hardcore legend. Um, what, you know, what era stigma? Uh, I'm going to go in 1994. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, any era is fine. Dude's a fucking legend. Original member of Agnostic front has been with them the entire stretch. Um, and played on the Madball seven inches and threw set it off. So undeniable, Stage presence is amazing from all accounts. Amazing person. Um, I've never gotten to meet him, but uh, all the Take Offense guys know him pretty well and fucking love him. And so, uh, you know, if he treats them well and and they love him, that's good enough for me. And uh, so, yeah, that's my pick. Second guitarist, Vinny Stigma of Agnostic Front and Madball. Uh, Joe? Hey, Ben, I'd like to remind you that you have not selected drummer yet, Ben. That's true. Me? Oh, yeah. Bedge did pick a drummer. He got lucky. Lucky, uh, lucky uh, from um, yeah. Circle Jerks. Uh, so Zach's home free with the with the set it off uh, lineup. Hey, you don't know where I'm gonna um, go, dude. I might be saving the curveball. Nah. Hey, Biscuits is out there. We, uh, Biscuits is out there. Vinny, you know how Vinny Stigma? They, they there was this pervasive rumor that they did that his guitar was was turned totally down, like he wasn't really turned on i mean maybe the amp was on but the volume was at zero yeah. like have you ever heard that rumor absolutely yeah, but yeah. apparently for the nyhc vhs is when you've heard the rumor for that um oh yeah, yeah i remember that yeah but when they came back um, when they came back like prior to something's got to give they're only a four piece so obviously it's not it's not always true it's not true it's not true yeah, it's not because uh, I saw them in 2014 and they did all of Victim in Pain because it was like the 30th anniversary of that album. And and there's like a guitar break on whatever song that is. And it's him doing the guitar break. So, you know, his amp is on and turned up. Oh, I, I think it was only a rumor for a, a one time thing. I don't. Yeah, I had heard that it was just like his hands were fucked up or something like that. And that's why the only reason why they did that. I heard that too. Yeah, yeah. It's just because he's flexing during Crucified, right? But he's just being a character. Yeah. Well, so. that's on the NYHC uh, vid. Right. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I've, I've been I, right in front of him, and his amp's on. Um, oh yeah. And yeah, well, yeah, I was at that same show, Bedge. They played the. Uh, they, I think that was they played Brick by Brick that time. So Agnostic well, Front he was Mad- definitely playing. Sorry. Go ahead. Go to Joe. I was just gonna say he was definitely playing. At the uh, when AF played the living room, yeah. Well, that was that something that's got a game time. Yeah, they were a four piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he had to be playing then. But AF is a five piece now, um, or they've been for for over a decade, maybe fifteen years. Um, but yeah, 
yeah, that uh, one of the coolest things about AF and Madball is they always come through San Diego. A lot of uh, bands skip here, you know, because you do OCLA and NorCal. And uh, yeah, they always come and they always kill it. So another reason why I just I love those two bands. Um, let's go to Joe for his number four. Number four, uh, I'm going to choose my second guitarist since uh, since Ben took my uh, my Brian Baker. I am going to choose his. I'm not going to say counterpart, but but another DC guitar player, Michael Hampton ah. from uh, Embrace and Faith. Preferably yeah. the Faith stuff, although the Embrace stuff is fantastic. But I, I absolutely Faith is probably my favorite DC band. So. Well, if you bring up Embrace with Zach, he he actually has a full blown meltdown. <laughs> Start just screaming Slayer over and over again. <laughs> just I, I go back into the one eighty five. Uh, <laughs> go back into the one eighty five archives for that one. <laughs> I I own and enjoy the Embrace LP. It's just not a hardcore record. I don't know how you how you argue otherwise. The whole point of the band is not being hardcore. So it's great for what it is, but it's not a hardcore record. I don't know why that's the whole a... point. That is evolving hardcore. What? Evolving hardcore. Oh, evolving hardcore. out of hardcore. It's not hardcore, <laughs> and it's it doesn't mean that it's not a a good thing. I mean, listen to our our five year. But picks. faith like, absolutely is. So faith absolutely is, and I respect anyone that chooses faith because that's that's the age long hardcore discussion too, right? Are you side faith or you side void? And, uh, you know, most people, uh, I'm, last, I'm both sides. Yeah. Well, most people <laughs> the last 20 years, I feel like they fall on the void side and faith doesn't get enough love, yeah. but, oh, uh, man. but yeah, I mean, I think you're the right answer, Joe, both sides. Yeah. That subject to change is one of the greatest records on discord period too. I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal and it's because of his guitar playing. I mean, everybody else is great, but he's, he's so clever with the little tricks and stuff that he does yeah and and then everybody after that copied that style of what he's doing there i mean that and what was going on in uh right to springs too but i I have this fantasy of going to wherever the i guess discord and and getting the master tape and potting everything else down except the guitar on the embrace album and then learning how to play those songs properly on guitar That'd be so he's he's noodling the entire time. Yeah, he's not high enough in the mix to really be able to tell what he's doing. And um, do you, do you are you a fan of One Last Wish? Do you know that band? Yeah, that that's in? that's uh yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say I've heard it once or twice. Um, that's one of my favorites. But but, but 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 it was great stuff from what I remember. But I don't I don't I don't own that. It's so good. I mean, it's basically Rites of Spring, but with Mike Hampton added to it right. on guitar. Um, and then, have you heard Fake Names? The, it's, it just came out, uh, the band yeah. that... Yeah. What do you think of that? Well, Brian and uh, the singer from Refuse. And, yeah, I, it's okay. It's rock. Yeah. It's Mike Hampton, too. Oh, it's Mike Hampton. Oh, he's playing bass in it or something, though, right? No, I think it's... I thought it was guitar. I thought it was Brian Baker and Mike Hampton on guitar because they had never been in a band together. And they're like my two favorite DC guitarists. And it's like, Oh my God, they're in a band together. Finally. And it's like, I don't, not feeling this at all. 
Yeah, they they put together a superstar act, and it's not even as good as Zoli's new band. It's a bummer. Um, <laughs> speaking of <laughs> speaking of speaking of isolating tracks, have you guys ever heard uh, David Lee Roth doing "Running with the Devil" acapella? That shit yeah. is fucking ill. Um, go check that, dudes. Either. I'm a Sammy Hagar. I'm Van Hagar. Oh, me too. I'm Van Hagar too, but uh, it's undeniable that "Running with the Devil" acapella. Uh, Sammy Hagar, he's the lyricist, you know. That's his edge. Right now, bro. Um, okay. I think this is a great pick. Joe, uh, Bedge, were you going to choose that as your second guitarist, if you could have? This is it. This completes my band. Um, let's see here. No, no, no. But were you going to oh, take yeah, that? Were you, were you yeah. going to ta- take that? Um, I, Mike Campton was on my shortlist, but he wasn't, he wasn't the next one down. Okay. He was like... Yeah. So, but he was on. He's on here. Um, was stigma, so is it was, my turn to pick the? Was stigma on there? Was Vinny stigma on there? No, he wasn't. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yep. But so, I love victim in pain. Fuck yeah. Okay. Uh, did he write? Did he write that album? Yeah, he had to have. Right. I mean, he's he's the dude. He had to have been him. Oh, but wasn't didn't Todd Youth? I know Todd Youth's not on that album because it's like he got grounded or something because he was like 13 when he was in the band. But he might Todd Youth might have written some songs from on Victim in Pain. I don't know. Anyway, um, so my last pick is I'm going to go up to the state of Rhode Island, and it's going to be Pete. I don't know how to pronounce pronounce his last name at all. I'm not even going to try. But the verbal assault verbal assault guitarist. Nice. Uh, Circa 1988 trial era verbal assault. Fucking that awesome. That just that just fainted. He <laughs> Hey, I I yeah. Love, there was some. I love the whole journey of verbal assault. Me too. What what's the issue that you have, Dan, with verbal assault? No no issue. I'm just saying, Zach, it, like rides hard for him. I love verbal assault, and I love the record trial, and I think that's a fantastic pick. I was just saying, like, Zach Wax is poetic about verbal assault frequently when we do these picks. And uh, it is a, and it's truthfully a band that doesn't get enough uh, recognition. Yeah, especially like so Zach, trial, trial is so palatable. Like, it sounds yeah. great. Uh, you know, there's nothing, it's not like it's an old record with a bad recording where it's like, you gotta just listen to it you know like you don't there's nothing to get through you don't have to look past anything like the record stands on its own and it's so fucking good and every song is good it's so good you know um yeah and, and so it's the one that i always ride for but i i really do love the whole catalog i mean even like the last like the the exit record that like took me kind of a, a long time to get um um it's a little yeah. I love I love on. I love Tiny Giants. Love Learn. But no exit like that. That last ten inch they did. It must have come out like whatever. What's the word? Posthumously. Yeah. Yeah. I think it did. Yeah, it's just three songs, um, but, including like an instrumental. Um, and yeah. it's a ten inch. Yeah, and it's a ten inch on the worst form. When I listen, so. Go ahead. It's the only verbal sold album I don't own or record I don't own. I think, well, I think it was a, yeah, it came out on a label from the Netherlands called Concurl. It's Concurl K137. Okay. 
And everything on Discogs is yeah, Germany, France, and two available in the Netherlands. So it'll it'll take a minute well, gotta to get find a, it, but uh, it's it's not expensive. Got to go to Europe and pick it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think when go ahead, sorry. Or when I when I hear trial verbal assault trial, I think this this guy listened to Brian Baker. He listened to Can I Say, and he's like, Brian Baker rules. I think I can do him one better. You know, I think I can take that chorusy sound, guitar sound of Brian Baker, and add delay to it on top of the chorus and make it sound <laughs> massive. It's like he he like beat him at his own game. So having those two guys in a band together would just be incredible. That's like that's like my dream come true. I mean, the other thing about Pete is he was playing through two amps simultaneously. I think he was doing like a like the the old Marshall, just like Brian was, and but he also had like a Mesa Boogie. So he was he's running both those with the chorus and the digital delay, like and maybe a, like a like a like a Gibson. I don't know, Les Paul, something or other. Like, it's just massive. Massive. And uh, he's also the dude that played piano on the song. Oh, is he? Yeah. I didn't realize that. So you got a pianist as well. Bonus. <laughs> yeah. And so that completes my thing. And it's, uh, you know, you get Ian on vocals. Ian produced the uh, Verbal Assault Learn. So these guys in real life, at least four of these guys know each other personally in real life, or at least I guess everyone knows Ian. So that's not really saying much, but they've been personally involved with each other's projects in real life. So it's not cool. You got to give these guys a cover November rain, dude. It's going to be sick. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking love it. November rain. And then go into like, uh, yeah, like just do the intro legit Ian singing a little bit. And then, uh, Busted off full verbal assault trial style. Oh, <laughs> you might you might right win. you might win on the power of that song alone. Um, all right, Daniel, what is your fifth and final pick? Okay, so <clears throat> we've got Chris Bratton on drums. We've got Craig Ahead on bass. We've got Walter on guitar, and we've got Jules on vocals. And just that is a powerhouse. But I just need to bring a little more, like, how do I say it? I don't know, just a different sliver of hardcore to come into this world a little bit to to bring. And so I was going to go Aaron Melnick, but I have to do it. I got to go Steve Miller and not from the <laughs> Steve Miller band. Stephen Andrew Miller of Unbroken. All right. Uh, I'm going to go final seven inch era. So Life Love Regret is already in the arsenal and both seven inches are in the arsenal. So just perfection, amazing songwriting. And then, you know, he's going to go on to do lots of other amazing uh, bands. But what he's going to bring to this is because he's such a fan of Walter. I think they're going to have such great synergy um, to, to write songs for Jules to just wax poetic with pure aggression over with Chris Bratton and Craig ahead, just providing this 
beautiful rhythm section of pure, unadulterated hardcore behind them. And I think it'll be a killer band. I think that that's a good I way. Agree. Is, is that the only pick of a dude whose main shit is in the 90s? Other than uh, my perfect list? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, technically you could... I mean, I did choose Start Today era Walter. But, you know, Quicksand era... No, I think you took, you, took, you took you you, you you took him for his whole catalog. So you're right. You took the quicksand yeah, okay. whole catalog. You argue for both. Oh yeah, because yeah, we started talking about all his other stuff. Yeah, and because yeah. he's still bringing it, he's still bringing it today. So I've got modern day Walter as like the patriarch of the band. <laughs> That's right. And and Bedge got the uh, the non homophobic version of Daryl Jennifer. So later era yeah. as well. <laughs> so sick. No, 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 no. Um, before when Bad Brain started, they weren't Rastas yet. So I'm going to pretend that they weren't homophobes yet either, as well. The new wave, the new wave, Daryl Jennifer, the, with the, the sunglasses at, at CBGB. Hell yeah, Black Dots era, Daryl Jennifer. There you go. Do you know what? Though, like both when Ben lays out his band and I, I lay out my band. As much as this feels larpy to you. There is something in your mind going like, fuck, what record would this collective bring out? You know, well, so cool. Let's not pass over Joe's band either. I mean, oh, and, and yeah, Joe, you got to do from Lifetime. Oh, no, no. We, we finished. That's why I'm saying those That's true. two. That's like, true. You know, yeah. I know what record your band would bring out. <laughs> how, how can you tell? How can you tell? <laughs> um, so, yeah, should we should we move on to my fifth pick? Yep. Uh, can you guess it, Daniel? Will Scheffler on drums. I'm going Chuck Biscuits. Um, Whoa. No, I'm going Will Scheffler. Fucking. I know you off. Yeah, dude. Maybe the greatest hardcore lineup ever on one record. That is my band, Madball Set It Off Era. And uh, enjoy uh, being tied for second place, dudes. Let's move on to Joe. (laughs) The the sycophantic listeners will agree. A lot of them will agree with this reasoning, which is against the whole remit of the challenge. (laughs) Daniel's still mad months later (laughs) about the first time we did our (laughs) Super 7 playlists and he didn't win. (laughs) (laughs) all right and let's go to joe for uh your final pick um my final pick is my singer i waited till the end and nobody picked them so i'm going with kevin seconds um i love kevin's voice i love what he does i love his lyrics i love everything about him he can write some songs too for everybody he can play guitar a little bit so not a little bit he's really good guitarist so kevin Matt Freeman on bass, Bill Stevenson on drums, Michael Hampton, and Dan Yeams on guitar. There we go. That's a great band. That's the band. Interesting you picked Kevin Seconds to go with Matt Freeman because Steve Youth, by like the mid to late 90s, was being really busy with his bass playing too. Like, uh, if you notice on some of those later Seven Seconds records. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's very very noty. Those those later seven seconds records are some of the most underrated records 
They're there great, are. dude. I, I, I love them. I love ourselves, and I love Soul Force Revolution. Um, I, I will have to. I need to revisit out the shizzy. I don't remember. Um, I think they did a seven, they did a seven inch right before that record. I think that I didn't like that much. I got to revisit that record. I have it too. I think. Um, out the shizzy is not great. Okay, but those two, the ourselves and the Soul Force Revolution, I love them. Soul Force is great. I love them. Um, yeah. Great picks. So, so Joe just that's my superstar band. Yeah, and okay. So let's let's just explore this before we wrap it up. Um, what do you think your demo or first record sounds like, Joe? Oh man, there's so much like cleverness in guitar uh, in the guitar playing, um, and then with Bill and Matt, like it could go anywhere and Kevin's so diverse. Like he's, he can sing just about anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so like they could do anything. I don't know what it would end up sounding like. It could be a hardcore record. It could be just, you know, another pop punk or, or uh, some uh, hybrid of all of it, you know, uh-huh. you're managing them and you want them to have a 20 uh, year career. What do you think their first record should sound like? Yeah. I don't know. Well, killer band. It's going to sound not, like not, what, what, what's killer our... band and not killer management. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I'm not a manager. <laughs> I know. I know. And we never talked. We never talked about having to have that be part of the exercise. But I think you nailed. I I think you nailed this list, Joe. I I love. I your think band. I think I they it. would make great music. Yeah. I love everyone's band. Joe, you got to up your Simon Cowell life. <laughs> <laughs> I love everyone's band. Daniel, say say your whole lineup again, and what do you think of their first record uh, would sound like or should uh, sound like? You've got Chris Bratton on drums. You've got Walter and Steve on guitar, like Walter Shrifles and Steve Miller on guitar. You've got Craig Ahead on bass, and you've got Jules on vocals. And I would think that a darker, hard, like a little bit more metallic tinged, just tinged, not full metal uh, version of some raging, like straightforward hardcore is what this would sound like with some great melody just put on the top by Walter, like unexpected melody. Like the song's so hard, but there's going to be a few, uh, I hate saying this word, but licks uh, that are going to just, send you off on a left turn where you're like, oh, wow, I didn't expect that coming. But the pure uh, When Tigers Fight era jewels like over the top is just going to, it's going to be a hardcore classic of epic proportions. I think lick is an underused word. <laughs> that is, it's like, a, I don't know, it's, it's a more, some more flamboyant riff. Wouldn't you say, Bedge? Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about how Dan's choices were smart because Steve doesn't really do leads and Walter's got that melodic shit going on, so they're not playing over each other. Yeah. Whereas Joe has Dan Yeeman and Mike Hampton who are really who are always doing little little licks and riffs here and there, and so those might collide. And then Brian Baker and and Pete from Verbal Assault were my choices 
they're very they're always doing little riffage type stuff so they need to be on the same page my song your song my song your song yeah yeah could be that (laughs) could be that you just noodle on the song you wrote like you get you get the noodling duties (laughs) that works um what do you think that their their first record should or would sound like first record comes out raging hardcore a little bit of melody and then the second one is is leaning further into that you know trial era verbal assault and can i say dynasty melody so first one would be more more in the group sex uh roar tape uh early minor threat vein you know just kind of more full-on raging but still with with tunefulness to it yeah. And then it expands and maybe, maybe the tempo tempo slowed down by, by record two. Yeah. And you get to be on discord. So that's a fucking win. Um, you score that from, yeah. that's a, that's a good manager right there. You got your band on discord. Um, Dana, what or, we, um, frontier frontier records. Yeah. But which are you choosing? Well, I'm friends with Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> well, shout out Lisa, but we're going discord. There's more Discord people in in here, so yeah, it's probably probably that's where it's going. Yeah, both classic labels. We will say that. Uh, Daniel, where do you think your band's ending up? What label? Camel Clutch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're lucky, if you're lucky, <laughs> but not uh, Revelate Revelation Records. Yeah, and Joe, where do you think you guys are ending up? Yeah, this is a, a Rev band or something i i don't know i mean they could they'd, yeah. they'd fit anywhere yeah angle for epitaph they could just they could they could they could, they could call for whatever shot they wanted i, I bet you yeah yeah for sure epitaph um, yeah yeah i think epitaph's a move well my band epitaph, most like my band most likely will end up on uh roadrunner and put out a hardcore classic but uh, who, who knows? <laughs> Maybe. Who, who knows? Maybe. Um, but yeah, I had fun. Uh, thank you guys for doing this episode. And thanks for coming on, Bedge. Much appreciated. We got to do our runners up. Oh, yeah. Let's 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 have runners Just up. Just quickly, yeah. Okay, Daniel, you got a list? Uh, the only two people that didn't make it, like all my, all my first choices were in there. And, you know, I've. I went with Jules just because of I just wanted him to front what the music of this band would be just a little bit more than Ian, even though Ian is God. Um, so my, the, the two that didn't quite, you know, make it that I had listed here were uh, Rob Moran and, uh, and Aaron Mel- Melnick. Those are the two only Two runners up. I got everybody in that I wanted. So, okay, and going to bedge. Uh, runners up for vocals: Ron Reyes, circa you know nineteen eighty, Jealous Again era. Um, Tim McMahon from Mouthpiece and Hands Tied, and lots of other bands. I've always loved that guy's voice. Yeah. There's just some about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach De La Rocha, Inside Out era. Uh, not Rage Against the Machine era. I do not like his vocals in that band, but Raging uh, uh, Inside Out, incredible. One of the best ever. Uh, Siv, 
uh, Anthony Cimarelli, oh. 1989, you know, Start Today era with a cracking voice. Um, and Dave Smalley, the Can I Stay era, Dave Smalley. And then my wild card. Of course, I, ne- I, would, I don't think I would have ever gotten to this one, but Billy Idol singing for a hardcore band. The only thing that guy's missing is the rage, but he's got the voice. I mean, him singing over melodic hardcore, that shit would be good. There's that a little bit of rage in that uh, early uh, generation. That stuff. Just the yeah. I, yeah, that's what I was what I was thinking. I love Generation X. Um, Bass, Steve Hanskin uh, from Line of Threat. Uh, I just heard an interview with Brian Baker, and he says that Steve was a better bass player than him which surprised me. Um, and then Craig, I had Craig ahead actually on my short list, which Dan took and Kloss fluoride circa 81, you know, when he, when they're doing in God, we trust incorporated yeah. like this yeah. guy's fully capable of playing well above the, what the music calls for, but he's totally, you know, going a hundred, a hundred miles an hour playing raging hardcore. And Jesus. then, as well. What was that? Cheetah Chrome would have been uh, a pick. Dead Boys Cheetah Chrome. He's a guitar player though. Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying for you, I'm saying one of my subs. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, Bad, you I'm, got looking anyone else? At, I'm looking at my iPhone notes. Yeah. Um, uh, Jeff, Minor Threat Era, Jeff Nelson. Um, and uh, Pete Moffat, who is the later government issue drummer. Um, oh, come off it! Yeah, but 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 <laughs> Pete Moffat and Jay Robbins were the the drummer and the bass player of Government Issue, and they actually put a disclaimer on the live album saying that this what you are hearing on this album is exactly how it was played live because. It seems like they edited out the, the the spaces in between the songs, but they actually did play the songs. They practiced so much that they they could go into each song without counting off the next song and do an entire set that way. It's incredible. I've, the best rhythm section, one of the best rhythm sections ever, was that Jay Robbins, uh, Pete Moffat, later government issue. And then um, I, I I had Bill Stevenson as well, which Joe took. Uh, I had Mackie Jason, uh, Age of Coral Era. Um, yes, 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 yes. This is like way beyond had, an honorable mention list. This is just like you're yeah. naming all your favorite people now. Because yeah. <laughs> if you're naming like six, then it's like there's no way all these people could have gotten picked. One, two, three, four, five. Uh, I guess you're right. Yeah. I did I did have more names than I ever would have needed for drums. Okay, guitar. Uh, I had Walter, which Dan took. I had Chris Smith from Battalion of Saints. Uh, I had Dr. No from Bad Brains. I had Pat Smear, Germs era Pat Smear. And I had Mike Hampton. Everyone tune in next episode when Bedge's list of musicians he enjoys continues. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, Ben is putting together a Lollapalooza, not just a band. He's doing We Are the World of Pop. It's a LARP. We are the world. We are. <laughs> yeah. Joe, you got any runners up? Okay, mine. Yeah, I got a couple. Go ahead. Uh, guitar. Uh, I had Henry on here, Henry Knowles. Aggression. 
uh, and Dan Palmer. Uh, Dan uh, Eyelid and you know everything yep. uh Stereo and yep. Zebrahead and everything else that he's doing now. But I I love Dan, so he's a fun guitarist. He's fun to watch. Uh, and then Brian Baker, which was taken. Uh, the other drummers I had, I had Derek Derek Plord on here. I'm surprised he didn't get picked. But uh, and then um, that's it. And then. My other bass player was uh, Brian Kenyon uh, from Bouncing Souls because that guy fucking shred. And then other vocals I had, uh, I picked Doug. Uh, I mean, I went with Kevin Seconds, but I had Greg Graffin on here as well and Tony Sly. And then and then I wrote Blake as a ghostwriter. Okay. He's just going to write all the lyrics. Oh, sick. Cool, That's cool. It. Yeah, okay. Uh, my runner-ups. I had Roger Camaro guitar, Andrew Ver- yeah. Andrew Verity bass, <laughs> Matt, Matt Anderson on drums, and the uh, best. and that singer of Retaliating vocals. Um, that's yeah, that, that guy's okay. <laughs> He's alright. Um, He's cute. But yeah, this was fun, guys. Thanks so much for doing it. And uh, everyone, buy Bedge's book. Uh, and so it's under Ben Merlis, correct, or Benjamin Merlis. Ben Merlis, yeah, M E R L I S. What's the title of the book again, Ben? It's called "Going Off." Okay, so, the story of the Juice Crew and Cold Chillin' Records. Yeah, so everyone go on Amazon. Ben Merlis, "Going Off: The Story of the Juice Crew." Buy that shit and uh, smash that Patreon. Yeah. Smash that Patreon button, guys. Uh, you know what to do. Have a good day. The badge is over. The badge is over. <laughs> the badge is over. The badge is over. That's in the book. That's in the book. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Chapter three. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah. And tune in next time for a Bedges Continue list. Bye-bye.